So you know how everyone has a celebrity doppelganger? Uh, sure. Yeah, like, uh, people look at me and say, oh, you're Amy Adams. Or, uh, Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher, yes. Um, that's, that's one way, but everyone knows that. Um, if you could have a celebrity doppelganger that looks nothing like you and acts like nothing like you, like, just what celebrity would like, you want to be? You, like, the worst... No, like, no, no, no. Like, not, worst, not... worst casting choice for, uh... <laughs> no, just, like, if you had to be a celebrity, which one would you want to be? It could be nothing like you. Just what would be your celebrity that you would want to be? Uh, I don't know. Um, somebody with, like, positive influence. So, I I don't know. I actually kind of, I, in that and since I guess I'm leaning, like, towards, like, Lady Gaga or something. Cool. I like it. I'd be Nathan Fillion. I'm watching Venture Brothers right now, and he popped up on an episode. <gasps> is a kind of a knockoff Spider-Man. So instead of shooting him out, of, shooting web out of his wrists, he shoots it out of like it, like his back, like how a spider does. Like out of his butt. It's not. It was like right above his butt. It was like on his back, but it was like lower, lower back. So not his butt, but low on his back. I can't imagine Nathan Fillion doing that. But the uh, man did. has many talents. But the man is multi-talented. Except for, you know, saying, hey, Sana Kotnik, let's actually have a great relationship for ten years. <sighs> Welcome! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome! He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. Gosh, that, what, a, what a tragically cut short in all the wrong ways kind of show. Cut short in that it kept going, but they cut all the good plots three seasons before it ended. Well, I mean, at least it had more than one season. That is also very true. He is cursed, and I don't know why, to remain on television. And he... He's had movie roles. He's played plenty of movie roles. He's had other TV uh, uh, appearances besides Firefly or Castle. I watched Slither solely because you told me Nathan Fillion was in it, and I don't care two shits about horror movies. But it was also directed by James Gunn. I know! There are many good reasons to watch it! And Jenna Fisher's in it, who's James Gunn's uh, wife in real life. As far as horror movies go, things I will never watch. However, we were at the movies recently, Thank You Movie Pass, and <laughs> we saw a trailer for a movie that you had seen before that looked really, really cool, starring... Jim from The Office. Oh, no, no, I haven't seen it, but I'd seen the trailer before. It's, yeah. what is it called? Uh, <sighs> the premise of it, from what I can tell, is that this family lives in absolute silence. No one makes any noises, talking, knocking things against each other, so they've made an entire life where they walk real quietly because of the way that they wear shoes. They play board games, but only with, like, soft felt pieces, so there's nothing ever knocking against each other, and... When they actually make a noise in the trailer, something goes wrong, and you realize they have to be quiet because of this thing. And I have no idea what it's about, but I am a sucker for a good uh, conceit, kind of like the artist. Concept? No, conceit. I'll look it up later. But the idea that there's a gimmick that can be used really well, like the silence in black and white in The Artist. Okay, so, yeah, like, um, in other instances of, like, a good concept, you could even say, like, Get Out would be a good concept. Hell, in my opinion, Saw, in, in its essence, 
in its essence, without all the torture porn, is a good concept. But then what's the point of the movie if not for the torture porn? What are the point of the seven sequels? Yeah, well, see, the thing is that I, I'm I'm a more of a purist fan of that. Like, I, I like the concept of it. Even, like, The Purge. Like, The Purge had a good concept. It just was weirdly executed. It wasn't poorly executed, but it was weirdly executed. Go straight black comedy with that. But there was no humor in that movie. No, but I, I get the feeling that someone else is going to take this concept and run with it in a different way. Because there's, like, there's going to be people who are like, I'm going to smoke pot all night. Like, what is, what is During gonna... the purge. Oh, yeah. yeah, why does everyone commit violent crimes? Does no one rob banks? Does no one just <laughs> like, try yeah, like... pot? <laughs> yeah, it's like... Like, I'm going to drive the wrong way down the oh, street. Oh, you know? that would be a hilarious movie. No laws to break. It'd be a parody of The Purge. Like, I want to see someone, like, I, like almost like a, 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 a Leslie Nielsen straight man from uh, Naked Gun, like, uh, like he, it's The Purge, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go loiter. <laughs> I'm going to post bills. You know, it's like... <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna go into the employee-only entrances of places. I'm gonna sign below that line. You're not supposed to sign on the back of checks. <laughs> yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna break the law here. So. I'm gonna draw mustaches on George Washington's face in the dollar bill. Like I, I want to see someone make that happen. But yeah, like I love great concepts in movies, and um, you know, like like I said, there's there's some there's some interesting movies, or they have interesting concepts that just don't work right like um you could even say like Shyamalan has some interesting concept for movies um even we've though... talked about that before that he's a great like he has he's, a story he's not man. a great writer no he's a, he's, he's a story man he's a great pitch man or yeah uh, like he uh, could pitch anything pl- like overall plot I wouldn't have him you know direct or write but if he's got he's got concepts and I'd let him yeah. pitch something like try this see what happens you and I are gonna have to watch uh, uh, a visit to grandma's Oh, I already know the twist. I'm oh, sorry. you do. Oh, yes. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe what I'll do is I'll watch it by myself one time, and then you and I can talk about it. So, <laughs> Knowing but what's happening. Speaking of great concepts, yeah. Actually, is, that's a great way to kind of tie into that's this. A, that's a great way to tie into this. Um, we are doing another fan requested review, which I'm super excited for. Only fan requested review. No, we were we... also requested to do uh, Clue and Murder by Death. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was us. a follower who <laughs> yeah. decided to uh, share their thoughts. They had two questions when we were uh, watching this movie that they wanted us to answer, so we're going to take the time to do that. Before we get into that, the plug party you can follow us. On, yeah, see, I thought about see? that too. Yeah. I did it. I did it. Married to the idea on Facebook. Married number two, the idea on Twitter. Married to the idea reviews at gmail.com. And if you forget any of those links, you can go to the married to the idea.weebly.com website. Just Google it and you'll find all of those links on our contact us page. It's also been updated since we're now in season two with links to every episode from season one in case you want to catch up and see what you've missed. Uh, maybe you do uh, just got intrigued by that Clue versus Murder by Death show and want to listen to that <laughs> one first. Uh, but let's get on to it. We were requested to watch Explorers, starring River Phoenix, Ethan Hawke as a bunch of kids who uh, get messages in their dreams that lead them to build a spaceship. Hey, speaking of the purge, Ethan Hawke. 
Incorrect. We could have we could have segued so many ways. We, I mean, all of them would have worked. So, <laughs> um, yes, uh, we were asked to watch Explorers, which I think I watched part of this when I was younger. Like, I don't know if I watched it entirely. Um, and I think you said you watched part of it. I had never point. seen this movie before in any capacity. Um, but when we talk about this movie, let's talk about the two questions that they wanted us to answer, and let's... Well, let's let's do a quick plot synopsis of it. I think I just did the plot synopsis of it. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, wait, so, did you talk... Well, okay, so they get, have the dreams. We can go even farther, okay, so... A little, a little farther. We don't, like, we can say, we can try to keep spoil... Well, no, no, we'll... It's a very old movie, guys. You should have seen it by now. So we're, we'll go ahead and put it on now that there will be spoilers. I think it's always going to be spoilers unless we purposely make a choice not to. Like if we see a movie ahead of time or if like like if we do Star Wars or something like that. Like, or uh, like maybe Black Panther. That'd be fun. Anyways. Uh, Ethan Hawke starts getting messages in his dreams of the circuit board that he tries to draw. He is really into sci-fi and he doesn't really fit in so much in school they play that rather well i thought it wasn't like overdone with the bullies wasn't a stephen king novel or anything but he has a friend uh river phoenix who is like a little scientist who has a lab down in the basement where he builds all sorts of contraptions and all these really adorable things um, they work together with a third friend who saves him from the bullies, uh, to make a spaceship based on the stuff they see in their dreams. Uh, the thing that they see in their dreams is a way to move through space without any acceleration force exerted upon yourself. It's, yeah. there's no inertia in this force field that they create. You can go hundred miles per hour and there's no drag inside your bubble. You don't. You don't knock about like in a car. You just are stationary. Yeah, like, whenever you get on a roller coaster and it starts off really fast and it shoots you forward, what you're feeling is the force uh, being exerted to move you um, the, the and the resistance against you. Somehow within this bubble, they don't have that. Yeah, and the majority of the movie is them figuring out how it works, uh, messing around with it, field testing it, and then building a spaceship that they can fly around. Uh, for a good chunk of this movie, it is this really cool '80s sort of send off of. I mean, it was this. Is, this is kids. in the eight, this is in the '80s, so this is like this. It is this send off. It's not even like where it, like it pays homage like Super Eight or Stranger Things. Oh yeah, this is like the Goonies, where it's already in its habitat. It already exists in the time period that they're making it. And it really, there's a lot of stuff in it that I see reflected in things like Super 8, Stranger Things. That that kind of weird budding of friendship and deepening of a friendship, even for the time, like, it felt realistic because it felt like you could actually see kids, like, walking around and building a spaceship. Yeah, it was super cute. They make the doors out of... TV screens and laundry machine doors, and they work out how to breathe inside the bubble. They bring oxygen tanks and snacks to eat, and <laughs> they build the whole thing out of a tilt-a-whirl car, 
which is like there's just always a little kid ingenuity that's really cool. Like, hey, let's let's uh, let's find this, and it's cool too because they figure out that like how they're controlling this whole thing. It, it's powered by like a one D battery, and like one the one of the kids um, of the three kids, the only actor that didn't really do much else besides this movie, um, is is really mechanically inclined. And, um, he, like, they were like, well, we're powering it off of this battery and we can get, like, almost 100 miles per hour on it. It's like, well, what if we, he's like, well, let me try to put a car battery in there. And, of course, they can, like, not reach light speed, but they can go a hell of a lot faster. (laughs) There's all this fun old technology. They have a bunch of pulp novels on the shelves that he likes to read. Uh, the technology is grid-based, like Tron. Uh, the oh man, those opening graphics! Oh yeah, I was a little like, like, what are the opening graphics? What am I supposed <laughs> to be understanding? Do we put in this? Tron by accident? No, <laughs> I can promise you that. No, Tron tried like Tron was uh, very experimental and very ahead of its time with with all that. Have you ever seen Tron? Yeah, I've seen Tron. Okay, um, but like, like this movie, like basically took the ideas of Tron and like the opening from Escape to uh, Escape from New York. <laughs> I really like uh, all the send-ups to the classic sci-fi. We see War of the Worlds show up a lot, and yeah. there's some themes. They're laying down themes very early on of what we do to outside forces. They play it in a way that the government never even like shows up in this movie. Yeah, it's and not usually, or anything like that at all. Usually there's this movie would have to have some sort of law enforcement. In the end there's only even one guy, a helicopter pilot, who we'll talk about more in a minute, who I feel is criminally underused in a way that would make the plot better going forward. But honestly, I think what we really want to talk about is the third act structure and tone change and i think we need the questions for that because when he when i read these questions i'm like yeah absolutely without a doubt these make perfect sense so um the person who suggested this is uh nick of actually uh of nick and greg they uh they do a a video blog he's but he's been a pretty loyal listener for us so uh, shout out to nick and greg nick asks when you get onto the alien ship greg and i have always felt like the plot takes a silly unnecessary turn and becomes really absurd his the, the first question is do you guys agree and two what would you do different oh that and the music score is awesome which I instantly i agree with the music score the music score like it was like half of the movie like i i felt like the music was its own character at times but i i'm gonna i'm gonna take a quick step aside um, and because I'm gonna let you jump into your triad, and I'm gonna try not to, uh, I'm gonna try it's not, not to wrestle triad. it. It's not a triad. It's not a triad. I. Well, the point. Well, that's well, that's what I'm trying to say is before you jump into this, let me let me get across. Oh, my Oh, I thought you were saying I'm gonna step out now so Elizabeth can take a turn. Not... No, no, no. I want to. I have uh, some thoughts that I know that are actually completely different from yours. Not saying that we we're well, you know two opposing ideas uh i want to hear them tell me if you look at the director's body of work how silly it gets makes sense he uh the director joe dante which if that name sounds slightly familiar to you he has directed some very uh big name things but i i I like to call into uh two different two two of his uh of his works one that's extremely well known and one that's not very known at all 
um, his first piece of work that uh, kind of shows why this is why I'm not, I, I kind of ex, not necessarily expected this, but it makes sense to me is uh, the first one is Gremlins. He was the director of Gremlins. He is um, in like that zaniness, but that weird zaniness that's still kind of based in reality, almost like a real life cartoon in a way. You you see that in that, and then actually, in the much lesser known, uh, he did a segment for the Twilight Zone. Uh, he did the segment for um, uh, when the 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 boy has the powers, which at a certain point goes from being extremely grounded in reality to extremely far fetched. So you can almost see, like look at this segment and then look back at this movie and go, oh. I'm, I'm pretty sure the movie came first, but the segment is very indicative of how, because at a certain point, uh, the main characters go to a house and it's like they're in a cartoon, a very strange and settling cartoon. Didn't he also do Little Soldiers? Uh, possibly. The one that was like trying to be Toy Story and was not, and was real freaky. Um... You'll have to look up his profile and see if it's in there, because I'm not remembering the correct name. But it stars a bunch of toys that uh, come to life, and it's not Toy Story, I swear. There's this movie called Toy Soldiers, but that's not it. No, you're just going to have to look through his filmography. Anyway, you're right. There is that sort of wany, uh, zany wackiness, wany, wany, wany zackiness that uh, I I would wow. definitely expect from him. Yeah, see, he's such a interesting filmography because he also did Inner Space, which is one that's really out there. He did the whole what is this the one I'm thinking of? No, that's a completely different movie. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Have we reached that point in culture where there are no new movie titles and we're just repeating the same ones over and over and over again? He directed two points of uh, Police Squad. Wow. Or two episodes of the the TV series. Uh, but then, yeah, he did Gremlins, he did Explorers, Inner Space, Amazon Women on the Moon, The Burbs, which I completely understand, uh, Gremlins 2... Eerie Indiana, which we may have to watch a little bit because that's such an interesting small soldiers. Small soldiers, yeah, you're right. He did direct that. Something else too, like he also directed Looney Tunes back in action. Yep. So that's he his... has a real influence of like the classic like Looney Tunes and like cartoons and stuff like that. Well, then knowing that, it does make the turn perhaps more expected, but I still wouldn't have picked this movie for that to be where the turn happens we get the ship going they go into space and the aliens end up finding them it were they were aliens who were sending the messages uh and they find their ship and the ship is real cool and creepy and very terrifying to say i wish the least. they had i wish they had taken just a little bit more time and explored the ship more because like i felt like they explored it for like five minutes and then they got into where they met what up with the aliens because they there's just like this cool like spider robot thing that like had a, a little bit of a personality and it was like like i kind of wish they had a little bit more time to explore the ship alien and the unknown not the movie alien alien things and the unknown 
freaked me out. So when that thing was just like doing stuff to them, I was expecting the worst. Even though it's a kids movie, every single time I'm like <laughs> they're gonna die, they're gonna die right here. This is it. When we do get to finally meet up with the aliens, this is where that tone shift happens. Yeah, I again I have to agree. There's something about when they when they meet up with the actual aliens, which truth be told, as zany and silly as they get, I still like the makeup. I thought it was kind of cool how they did that. Even with knowing Joe Dante's body of work, it's still like there's it there's that point that drops off and i think it's because of the personalities of both of the aliens they end up meeting two aliens a a female a a, a supposed to appear female alien and it's supposed to appear male alien the female alien has a crush on one of the uh, the boys and is like do you have a girlfriend back home or like is there a girl that you like back home and going on and on and on and the then, tonal change for me is not even the the makeup or what they look like. It's literally they finally get to them, and the boy says hello, and and what's your name, and who are you, and the alien looks up, and says, "Yeah, what's up, Doc?" And I am thrown. I am so thrown. <laughs> um, the way I guess to equate this is if you think about go all the way back to like 2008 and look at the first Transformers movie, the actual good one when Michael Bay wasn't trying to, you know, completely rip apart all the nostalgia of the eighties kids. And you have you talking two about Bumblebee, right? Well, yeah, Bumblebee and then jazz who both talk with how they interpreted things from the internet. Bumblebee can't speak, but he does things through the, um, the radio. And then the other guy is like a, a hip talking guy like what's up fool you know like was- well for me it's that transformers at the beginning never pretends to be something other than that it's a it's a transformers movie through and through it plays like it hits the notes it's supposed to hit it doesn't start off as an 80s coming of age story stand by me style <laughs> and then turn into a yeah. monster movie well that's that's yeah that again that's the weird part like Looking back at the movie, I both understand how it got to that point, but also see where it tips off. So The this... point, the idea that they're trying to get to works. The idea of they learn about our culture by watching TV, and they know TV is cool and would appeal to the kids, so they've learned all the TV catchphrases and songs and pop culture references. Yeah, and like, it's... If it wasn't them repeating it in the exact same accents, I think that's it. They they talk in the exact same. It's like it's like a recording. Yeah, they it's like, like Bumblebee, and it's a robot on Bumblebee, so it makes sense. But these are actual aliens. It'd be funnier if they were in their alien voices saying these things. Yeah, I, I think it would be too discerning. But discerning, distracting, dis, uh, dishonest. Uh, some some disword. <laughs> So I guess let's let's start with the first question, and I, I think I pretty much know what the answer is for both of us. But so the first one is: Do we agree that it takes a silly, unnecessary turn and becomes really absurd? Yes. I say yes with an asterisk. Well, that's what the second part of the question is about. What would you do different? I can tell you a million things we could do different with this. Well, that's and that's the thing too. It's like especially because I am looking at Joe Dante's work. 
I understand what his thought process was with it. There, that that weird zaniness, but not overly zany. I, I don't know how to describe it besides like a real life cartoon, or but a or a real life cartoon that's still grounded in reality. I say yes with an asterisk saying that it is silly uh and it is, it does become absurd but i think it's because of the execution of it now apparently um having looked through the the trivia a few times he uh was actually kind of cut off they actually like he thought he had a few more months to finish the movie than he did uh so he kind of had to wrap things up a little quicker than normal but he he himself said that if he had final cut it would have been like three hours long instead of like the hour and a half or like three and a half hours long. So it would have been a long ass movie. Like I would like, I kind of want to read that script then. I do agree that it's unnecessary and absurd, but just in the delivery, I like the fact again, spoilers. I like the fact that they meet the aliens and the aliens are like, you know, like, well, we, we, we sent this to you. We wanted to ha- meet you guys, but we were afraid with how you guys would meet. And, you know, cause they, they actually come out and say that the, their race is afraid of aliens because of what the humans do to uh, each other, like with war and, you know, and all this stuff Because they show like TV clips and it kind of shows further that they, that this is their, um, what we do to aliens when they show up. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Them. Yeah, like like all the the monster movies and everything like that. And then it turns out that these aliens aren't full grown. They're actually children like them. Yeah. That's I, where I get the point. And that's why I wish the execution was different. Yeah. It I, really would have been great. There's a lot of parallels, and that's what I want to see even more done then. If the whole point is about children and adults. Why not see more of our main character's parents? We'll never see the one wacky family, and none of them get any character development about why they're wacky the way they are. Side note, uh, the wacky parents uh, is uh, River Phoenix's parents, um, who plays a character named Wolfgang. Um, His mother is played by an actress named Dana Ivey, who has been in so many things, it's hard to keep track of them. What you might know her from specifically is that she was in, um, uh, she was one of the lobby people from Home Alone 2, uh, with Tim Curry. Have a nice day! But, like, I mean, her, like, look, look how big her filmography is. She's uh, done a bunch. She's done so much. Uh, and so, you know, I could go list her, but even more kind of fun for me is that his dad is played by James Cromwell, who a lot of people would know his name. I mean, he he was in Green Mile. He was in he was Babe, that that'll do pig. He's the farmer. From He's Babe. the farmer from Babe. He was in LA Confidential. I mean, like his and his goes even on further. Well, um, we know that because James Cromwell came to speak at Scad's graduation the year I graduated. So yes, taking uh, so that it's kind of neat that his parents are played by these these two uh, these two actors and actresses, um, but. Yeah, you only see Wolfgang's parents. They don't get a ton of development. You get a little bit of a uh, little bit of Ethan Hawke's mom. And there's yeah. this really sweet scene when he's about to head off on the ship and he's writing his last will and testament <laughs> before he leaves. And you know, he says to his mom, Mom, it's okay to follow my dreams, right? You told me it's okay to follow your heart. And she says, of course it is. And then she leaves and he says goodbye to just an empty door. And there's this really, again, the whole poignancy of the beginning 
two-thirds that is sorely missing from the last. In fact, I would actually say it's not. It's when they get back to Earth, everything settles back into that normality. Yeah, it's that weird, like, fourth of the movie or however you want, whatever uh, fraction you want to break it up into. The denouement. The denouement, when it breaks off and they get out of the Earth's atmosphere and go onto the ship, there's a part where it's like, you get to a point and it has this zaniness and then once they leave, it gets back and it settles back into that, that groove that they had. They like, they skipped out for a little bit. Like they had a weird third quarter, but brought it back in for the fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. And the whole point of it in the end is that, you know, these kids defying parents doing what they want. It's not just a human thing. It's an alien thing. And that's why it's funny to see his parent, their parents work the exact same way. So I wish we'd had more child-parent relationships throughout this. I wish we could have seen more about uh, the third boy's father who never has a job. How his, his mother's not in the picture. This other woman's like his girlfriend at, for the time being it's like there's a broken there's a lot of dysfunction there's a dysfunctional family and there's a crazy family and there's a normal family and i would have liked to see more about that than just the boys as the outcome of those family units to make the point of the story drive home even harder yeah uh how much more interesting would have that been uh you could have even done something on young versus old beyond family this helicopter pilot who starts searching for the ufo that he sees one night he finds one of the kids uh, tracks him down, and it turns out that he had these dreams when he was young, which we learn in a quick sentence in a quick scene. Then he finds the kids, chases them down, and when he actually gets to the spaceship, he doesn't try to stop the spaceship or anything. He just smiles like, "You go, kids!" And yeah. that's you—that's a lot to throw in a character you introduce and only have on screen for three to five minutes, maybe introducing after the second half. Be like, oh yeah, and then there's this helicopter pilot who was also receiving these messages and never knew what to do with them, and he wants to take the kids and wants to get on the ship. No, he just wants to congratulate them, and then you never see or hear from him again. And there's something really fun about that. You could have done this whole childhood innocence, imagination is the key, all of this stuff, um, some sort of belief system, and in the end, it's just like, no, he could have done it, and he didn't, so bye. Uh, I feel the same way about the girl that he likes. Yeah, that, the, the way they, they handled that situation was really kind of strange because she ends up seeing them land or like she sees them come out of the sky or like somehow has a dream of them coming out of the sky and then she sees them land and crawl out because uh, they end up landing in like a lake or something like that. And they end up crawling out of the lake and they're just standing there. And you see her, like, in the background at one point, And she just, like, turns around and kind of runs away a little bit. And then, the, like, the next day at school, she's like, have a nice trip. And, like, she wrote him a note. And, like, he looks at her and she just kind of smiles back at him and then goes back. And then the next thing, you know, they're having the same dream that he was having before. And they're and, all flying Peter yeah. Pan style. And she gives him a kiss. And it's, it's so such an 80s movie we know nothing about this girl but we want to see her get with the main character by proxy of it's the main character exactly what would i have done different first off i i would have either i i think what happens with having this one alien speak in all of these references i would either a pull it back and not have him do that or have him do it in his own voice but not have all these recordings or b Taking a step 
further, and that's the only way that they communicate. Not have this random female alien who has a crush on one of them chat or like you know like in just kind of a normal speaking voice or normal to us speaking voice like like her brother is the weird one like the one that's on their their spectrum for that stuff and then their father comes in at one point (laughs) voiced by frank welker of all people (laughs) and doing his mumbling (laughs) like oh my god uh, and you, you, like there was English mixed in, like have it where they like they have an alien language that you know that's different that's maybe like in that, but then that's how they communicate with each other. But if they communicate with the the boys, they have to do it in references. They don't know how. Like they have some way where they cannot speak English. I get it. They feel like fifties in an eighties movie. They yeah. feel like the references are outdated already, and it could be because of how a TV travels through space. It could yeah. be something like that. Uh, I think those are good ideas. I wish that there, you know, this movie, again, it feels like Super 8 in a lot of ways, which tried to balance everything. It went more for the scary side, but E.T. did it successfully as a bit more lighthearted and playful. Um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I would have it be where they go on the first trip and they're you know having a good time but then bad things go and they get shot into space and they try to get back down and the two boys are like dude no we gotta run way more tests i really wanted ethan hawk's character to like just run out that night and figure out the rest of himself go up into space and the last we see of him is him just charting off into space because the minute the minute they get into space he is so chillax about the whole thing. He is chillax about being in space, about getting sucked up by an alien ship, about being on board the alien ship. He's just, like, eating Doritos in the corner, having the time of his life. So I really want to see the saluted kid go up into space, and that'd be, like, that's the end of it. Like, did he find them? Did he find what he was looking for? Oh, and more ambiguous. Yeah, just and like... All, and more of a, like, a make-you-think ending, which I, I can appreciate, like... You know, I I prefer having a a settled story, but I can I can appreciate when a story isn't settled. Like one of the other movies that we watched, uh, that we're probably going to talk about next, um, in it in such a way that like there's a some to a lot of ambiguity. I I can appreciate that. I prefer when they wrap up to an extent. I don't mind having questions, but I don't like having too many. It's there's a there's a fine line between having too many questions and not enough questions. If you ha- still have questions left, you still have questions left. The 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 movies, uh, the trilogy of the the VHS movies, the ones that I like way too much. The first one had that weird balance of. They answer throughout the shorts, because it's an anthology, enough questions, and raise a bunch of other questions, but there's a weird balance of how many they answer and how many they uh, ask. The second one, the balance was tipped. They're, they answer a bunch of more of the questions, but the, the questions that they don't answer are then are more so amplified. And then finally, the third one, the third one just wasn't that good. <laughs> It tried. It had a couple ideas, but it just, yeah. Yeah, either get more ambiguous or tie everything tighter. Exactly. There's there's a balance to, there's a balance in the force. The first two thirds, perfectly balanced. The reason why I think it falls flat is not just execution of the aliens, more so that these plot threads you're building don't get 
replicated, rhymed, or tightened in the last third. Yeah, like, the payoff wasn't the right... It wasn't a terrible payoff, but it wasn't the right payoff. It's like, hey, I love uh, red paintings. I love paintings with, like, red skies or red trees or uh, red kite. And I love... I love paintings with reds. Painting with red. Man, I need to get her a birthday present. What am I going to get here? I'm going to get her a purple painting. That's not exactly wrong, but it's not right either. You know, it's like they missed it. Not by a lot, but they missed the mark. <laughs> yeah, you either have to change more in the first two thirds or change something in that last third. Because right now they're just sailing past each other. Yeah, like ships in the night. And, you know, Joe Dante has has a way of getting the zaniness out in a uh, a much better capacity. He's got other movies. I know people shit on back in action, but if you look at it comparative to Space Jam, that is so much more of a Looney Tunes movie. Space Jam, as much of a place as it holds in my heart, is not a Looney Tunes movie. It's a animated sports movie with Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny happens to be a character type thing. I have a sweatshirt that has Come On and Slam and Welcome to the Jam on the back of it that I designed myself. That's how much I love Space Jam. Space Jam is not a good Looney Tunes movie. That's the reason why it's called Space Jam, not Looney Tunes, Space Jam. Uh, But Looney Tunes Back in Action, again, directed by Joe Dante, has that zaniness that a Looney Tunes movie would need. The chase through the freaking uh, Louvre? The Louvre? Yeah. That was awesome! As someone who appreciates art, as someone who appreciates Looney Tunes, and then, you know, cool concepts for, you know, the stuff stuff like that. And the, uh, the, the space battle, that was cool too! Like, ah. Uh. So what you're saying is Joe Dante shouldn't have directed this. <sighs> no. Because he did it well because in Grublins. Yeah, exactly. If he can do it in Grublins, he should be able to do it here, but he did not do it here. That's, I think that's, um, let me look real quick, but I think he, he, this was first. I think this came before Gremlins. I'm not sure. I'm looking it up as I speak. I think this has a lot to do with how he plays that zany. That zany is not supposed to be charming. That zany is supposed to be off-putting and terrifying. But just, just no. Oh, it actually, Gremlins came first uh, a year before Explorers. That's what I'm saying. He does Gremlins, he does the Twilight Zone, both of which are off-putting in all the right ways. And then he has to go make Explorers. And it feels like he's uh, playing the part in these first two-thirds. I know how to make a movie about a coming-of-age story. I'm going to make it grounded in reality. I'm going to talk about the science of it. We're going to talk about computer jargon. Kids are going to learn what force means. We're going to build a spaceship. <laughs> we're going to talk about the practicalities of this, and we're then gonna we're show, going to do it. We're going to show kids being bullies and jerks. We're going to show families that it's can be dysfunctional. It's far too grounded. It's far too grounded for too long of the movie to then turn. But, you know... I, I, I agree with that, but at the same time, this is about this is essentially a movie about kids who get dreams about how to build a circuit board that create creates a bubble that has no force. Granted, this still make that still is just grounded in reality enough, but that's still a pretty out there concept. Yeah, but he's playing the unease all the way up until that last third. The unease of this bubble, which can, if you don't handle it right, 
damage a lot of things really badly, can suck up people, can go straight up or straight down. All uh, these bad blow through things. books and, uh, like, bounce around. and Yeah, it's flubber. <laughs> it's a spherical flubber. <laughs> so, for me, like, he does, like, these little hints, and that's why I wish the last third was more terrifying, more ambiguous, yeah, more either, I, un- well, unsettling. Yeah, like, he, he he plays it along the, the, the zany route, which, again, I understand, and I understand his thought process with it, but he has other options that would have worked better. He could have done more terrifying, where they get on the spaceship, and it was a trap the whole time. Yeah! Or um, he gets on, uh, or he could play more of the child friendly, where they they meet the aliens. And like, oh well, come with us. We're we're gonna go explore the galaxy. Come on. Oh yeah. well, bye Earth. And more of that child friendly, or like that ambiguous ending, like where like they 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 get all, they get pulled out into space, and then like the other two get scared, and then like Ethan Hawke's like, no, I want to go, and. And then he, he they send him off into space and he goes. Yeah. And then that's the end of the movie. There are other routes that this uh, this movie could have taken that could have made it a stronger movie. This is not a bad movie. Even with the zaniness, it is not a bad movie. But it could have been taken in a different direction. I think so too. Final ratings, I would give it a 3 out of 5. I would have given it stronger if it had maintained a cohesive emotional plotting throughout the whole thing. As it stands, it feels like it starts, stops, and starts up again. And it doesn't seem to gel. I think Ethan Hawke says it best. We don't know what these aliens could look like. They could be just balls of light. They could be beams of energy. They could be thought waves. They could be something we couldn't possibly conceive of. And that's what I was really hoping for. Something that was just beyond yeah. the bounds of reality. The the uh, truth be told, though, I, I really appreciated the alien makeup that they did, though. That, I liked the alien makeup. It, it was that kind of rubber mask look, but I, I thought it worked. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's, and that just may be me. Um, actually, I gotta go lower. I gotta say 2.5. Unfortunately, um, though... Neither of them did a bad job. Both River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke were a bit stiff at times. Hmm. Um, and, but it was both of their first uh, major motion picture uh, experience. So, And the other kid, like, I don't feel like he gets pushed aside, but he doesn't get as much of importance. Because River Phoenix is the dreamer. He's the main kid. Uh, uh, sorry, no, Ethan, Ethan Hawke Hawk is the the dreamer, the main kid. River Phoenix is the 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 smart guy, the 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 geek, the scientist, and then this other kid's kind of the mechanic. But besides that, he's a mechanic, and that his family is dysfunctional. There's not much else to his character. Yeah, even that never gets explored. On we get a sense that he feels that he doesn't really belong in this group of friends. And at the beginning, it's a I'm better than you vibe. Near the end, it's, I'm contributing nothing to this vibe. And then even after that, it's his father has given him a gift just because, and he's just holding on to it in his pocket throughout this entire trip. Again, all these thoughts about fatherhood and parentage, so many themes that just don't get hit hard enough to make their inclusion relevant. I like that River Phoenix had a, had a zany family. But, but where does no, it lead to? Yeah, there's no reason for them. Like, it's it's neat, 
it's cool. Like, the movie could have been about that. Like, it could have been, like, he could have been the one getting it, and that Ethan Hawke was like, ooh, dude, let's go have uh, an adventure. You know, like, he's the, the other guy's like, well, I can build it for you, type thing. If Ethan Hawke's character had been the main character, and it showed him, like, having to build it in his house, like, the focus is, like, at times could have been better, or it could have been, like, just, just hone that focus just a little bit more, so... Yeah, I gotta say 2.5. Um, I still enjoyed it. I mean, it's not a bad movie. It really means. isn't a bad movie. We, For all our talk about tone, it's a competently made film. And I say that the first two thirds more than make up for the sins of the last. But yeah. it's a jarring tonal shift. And it takes it from Super 8, which was not for kids... It was more for just that kind that of teenager teens, age, young, uh, young twenties. It takes this back into kid territory. Yeah, and like Super Eight, Super Eight has some flaws. Had some of those J.J. Abrams cliches, but it was absolutely a love letter to the eighties. This movie is one of those movies that. Yes. Super 8 was a love letter too. Absolutely. So there's the other movie that people kind of compare this one to, uh, Flight of the Navigator. Now, I remember watching at least the first third of that movie, and I didn't know that that movie went anywhere else. You just thought it was all about this. This, this kid, like, all just, like, fall, like falls down a, a crevice, and then all of a sudden wakes up, like, ten years in the future, it like it freaked me out, and I'm like, yeah, I, and I saw, and the kid was annoying as fuck. So I was like, I'm, I'm done. The whole existential dread of it. That's why those are really cool to see young children go through that. Yeah, it's interesting and compelling. But um, honestly, like I would watch Explorers a hundred times more than I would watch Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> yeah, we give it a five point five out of ten. By no means our lowest score at all. It's definitely worth a look with your kids. They'll probably like it. They'll probably want to ask it's... some questions about the science of it. And you'll probably enjoy watching the kids build it and their ingenuity. Yeah. Um, especially if you have kids, uh, I would say between the ages of like 7 and like 12. They would, they'll would they really like this movie. Um, they may not get some of the references or they may not get some of the, like, why did they have to do, like, why is the computer so, like, weird and, like, old? But you may find them building spaceships out in your backyard, so I think it might be worth it. So definitely a movie to check out with your family. Thanks again to Nick and Greg for suggesting this. Um, We actually had a lot of fun being able to do this. So please, please, please send in your suggestions. We are absolutely always open to uh, hearing what you guys was like. Hey, what do you think about this movie? Or, hey, you've already talked about this movie, but have you thought about this? You know, we're, we're always open to the we're, We watch f- uh, f- uh, film theory and game theory, and we watch, like, well, what about if you looked at it this way? We love that kind of stuff. We mm-hmm. eat it up. <laughs> when we are back next week, we're going to be talking about something that appears to be for kids, but is not for kids. Not even slightly. And that's okay, because it's real good. And yep. it got stiff, some fierce at this year's Golden Globe. So we're going to hope it gets a bit more love as the award season carries on. I kind of want to mention Shape of Water. We mentioned it last time. Once again, we will not be reviewing Shape of Water. 
because it's amazing. Okay, Go yeah. watch it. I forgot that's what we said. We don't need to tell you anything about it. Go watch it for yourselves. You really like it. Don't bring your teenage brother with oh my you. Oh, God, no. Just yeah. go enjoy <laughs> it by yourself. I, 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 it's the second time I've said that. Uh, Guillermo del Toro won Best Director for this movie. It is absolutely deserved. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a reason. And and I'm not going to spoil anything, but you no, want to talk about you want to talk about ambiguous ending. Oh yeah, yeah. So I enjoy that. Well, that's so, what Guillermo does. Yeah, uh, save for Hellboy. So absolutely recommend Explorers. If you've if you've not seen it, you you need to watch. It. You just need to have like a day where you watch that. You just watch like eighty thing eighties things. Um, you know, like though neither of us have watched ET, and um, I've watched Gremlins too. I've not really seen the first Gremlins. Weirdo. Have you seen the first Gremlins? I've seen no Gremlins, but I would not watch the second one and then the first one. Well, that's uh, anarchy. Apparently, that's how I did it. So, which, well, I guess maybe one time we'll have to do Gremlins 1 and 2. So, me, I just gotta learn how to clench my sphincter tight enough to get through Alien. (laughs) Eventually, we will will watch Alien. (sighs) And then we'll watch Aliens. Until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And And we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea.